everyone episode 266 of the legacy podcast this is steve donahue and this episode is going to be a um recording of a message Well, I think that uh, most of us here would agree, unless you're unable to eat it, that you like chocolate. I know that uh, I am one of those that likes chocolate. I'm not a big sweets fan, uh, but I do like chocolate. And uh, one in particular that I like is getting those Whitman samplers. You know what I'm talking about, where you get the little box with all different kinds of chocolate in it. And uh, part of the thing that's nice about the Whitman samplers is that uh, part of the fun is trying to figure out which one's which. You look at the little picture up on the top of the thing, you say, oh, that's the coconut and chocolate one. Ooh, that sounds good. And, Whoa, what's that one? And you pick that one, trying to figure out which one that one is. And uh, part of the fun of eating the chocolate, of course, is tasting all the different kinds. And uh, that, that always makes it for an exciting time. What's interesting, though, about chocolate candies is that they all seem to have many of the same ingredients. It's just that they have... Maybe a little extra ingredient. Maybe they might put macadamia nuts in one of them or coconut in another. Or they might fill it with cherry. I know I'm making you all hungry, right? I shouldn't be preaching on chocolate when I'm here at 11 o'clock in the morning or 11.30 in the morning. But nonetheless, it is interesting because they have a consistency of the content. And yet there is also a little bit of diversity within it so that it makes it very interesting and very practical. And this, by the way, is the same as prayer. Prayer has certain elements that make up a good quality prayer. And yet it also has enough diversity, enough variability that it doesn't have to be the same thing every time. And that was that is what makes prayer very interesting. And so it raises some questions for us that we are going to look at today. The first one is what is prayer? Secondly, we're going to ask the question or answer the question, what are the various kinds of prayer? And then thirdly, what are the basic elements of prayer? And uh, this is, of course, um, going to answer wholeheartedly the question, the what of prayer. Last time we looked at the the who of prayer, and now we're looking at the what of prayer. Now, we're not lacking in information from the scriptures regarding prayer. There are over 650 different prayers in the Bible. Imagine that. If you took just one of the prayers each Sunday and preached on it, it would be like five years. More than that. My math's not very good. It would be a long time, right, before you could actually get through all the prayers in the Bible. So we're not lacking in content. So obviously anytime I preach on something like this, I'm having to be selective on those uh, areas that we cover. Nonetheless, let's first look at what is prayer. The Bible describes prayer in several ways with different kinds of analogies or descriptions. Firstly, it says that it is a lifting up of our soul to God, a lifting up of our soul to God. Psalm 25 verse 1 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Psalm 143 verse 8 says, Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. 
In a sense, then, the soul is the inner man. It is the emotions. It is the feelings. It is the the burdens, the thoughts, the intents of one's heart that he is then lifting up before the Lord. And the picture that I have here of of lifting up is though um, you were to put all of your burdens, all of your emotions, all of your feelings, all of your fears, all of your, your turmoils, all of these things, and you were to put them into some kind of basket. And then you were to hoist that basket up before God and bring it before Him. You have just released yourself of all of those burdens, all of those anxieties, all of those trials that you are experiencing, and you're lifting them before the Lord so that He can take care of them. The Bible also describes prayer as a pouring out of our heart to God, a pouring out of our heart to God. Psalm 62, verse 8 says this, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Heart is very similar to the uh, soul that I just mentioned in the lifting up of our soul. It is the the inner person. It is the inner man. It is the, the, the contents and intents of that inner being that we have. And a pouring out here carries the picture of having a bucket and again filling all of our heart, all of the, the emotions, all of our thoughts, all of those things within us and putting it into a bucket and then pouring it out. Before the Lord, just as they would pour out a sin offering before the Lord. So you pour out your uh, pour out your prayers before God. And I know that um, when I was uh, when I was younger, I don't know if it's still used or not, but we always used to use the expression. He spilled his guts, you know, talking about his honesty and pouring things out. And that's the idea here. We have to spill our guts before God. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean cut ourselves open. They're using more metaphors here, right? The idea is that we're supposed to pour out our heart before God. And then thirdly, we are to cry out to God. That's another description of prayer, crying out to God. Psalm 86, verse 3 says, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. A crying out carries the idea of intensity of prayer. It is a passionate plea. To God, We're not just supposed to go into a, a monologue of uh, boring nature before God when we pray, but rather it is a crying out to God for help and for assistance. Also, it describes it as a spiritual incense to God, spiritual incense to God. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 tells us this. Now when he, that is Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And the picture that is described here is that of the Old Testament when the priests would go into the holy place and they would... would, uh, They would light the incense and they would do it both in the morning and the evening. And this incense would then waft up into the air and it would go in below and above the curtain, going into the holy place. And the idea was that it was a symbol of the prayers of the people going in before the holiness of God and being lifted up before God. And the Bible describes it as a a sweet smelling aroma. To God, which carries the idea that when we lift up our heart to God, when we cry out to Him, when we pour out our soul to God, it is it is a delight to God. He smells it as a sweet smelling incense before Him, because He delights in His people pouring out their heart before Him. It is also a coming before the throne of grace. A coming before the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen says this Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, the picture here is that of the throne room of God. And just as it is true in our day, you don't go before the president of the United States. You don't go before a dignitary just willy-nilly. Not everybody is allowed into the throne room. And if you recall back when we taught on Esther, how Esther was hesitant to go in before the king who was, his, well, who was her husband. And she was hesitant to even go before the king uncalled for. Why? Because he could have their head just like that. But the Bible tells us we don't need to fear that. The Bible tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of God to find help in our time of need. The Bible also describes prayer as a spiritual sacrifice and the fruit of our lips. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. No longer do we need to offer sacrifices of bulls and calves and and uh, sheep and lambs. Uh, we can now offer our bodies as living sacrifices. But more than that, we can offer up our praises to him in prayer as a sacrifice before him. And it comes before him as a sacrifice in the fruit of our lips. It is also described in James chapter 4 verse 8 as a drawing close to God in friendship, fellowship, and trust. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So when we pray, it is a sense of drawing near, getting into the intimate relationship with God when we pray. The idea behind this is the intimate communication that brings one near to another. Just as communication brings one nearer to one's spouse, so our communication with God brings us nearer to him. It's also a wrestling with God. It is a wrestling with God. We see an example of this in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where the prophet cries out to God. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? Now, the idea here is that the, the prophet is crying out to God and he's, he's basically wrestling with God about God's will. Did you know it's okay for us when we have an issue that we don't understand to cry out to God and say, why? It is a, it is a form of wrestling. We also see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane wrestling in a way with God where he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's facing death upon the cross. And he says, Lord, if it is possible for you to take this cup from me, do so. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What's he doing? He's, in a sense, wrestling with God. Now, we are obviously not to do this in a way that is disrespectful or dishonoring to the holy God. But it's okay for us. He wants, he wants us to come before him and wrestle with his will and dialogue with him over these things. I think of Genesis chapter 32. Jacob is uh, about to face Esau. And if you recall from that event, Esau had uh, separated or Jacob had separated from Esau, basically ran away from his home because Esau had threatened to kill him. So he goes down and uh, gets under the tutelage of Laban, ends up getting a couple of wives and a bunch of kids and then leaves Laban and comes back home. And as he's coming back home, he's fearful that when he gets home, Esau is going to kill him. And so he cries out to God. And he says, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. But if the event stopped there, it would not be a good description of wrestling with God. But then what we see actually taking place is that soon after that, we actually see Jacob wrestling with an angel of God. And the angel of God touches his hip socket and his hip sockets out. And Jacob ends up limping for the rest of his life because of that. And the symbolism behind his wrestling with God is that this was, this was something he was, he was struggling with, he was dealing with. And, and he actually got the visible description of wrestling with God. And so we, we wrestle with God in our prayer. And finally, also, it is a description of a weapon of spiritual warfare. A weapon of spiritual warfare. Chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians describes for us the armor of God that we are to put on in the spiritual battle. And he goes through, Paul does, and des describes for us all the pieces of the armor. And then in verse 18 of that chapter, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then we, we find in the book of Daniel this very interesting look into the spiritual realm when it says in Daniel chapter 10 that Daniel had been fasting for 21 days when he had been meditating upon the word of God and contemplating what God's revelation was to him. It says that he fasted and prayed and kind of mourning and agony for, for 21 days and he didn't get an answer to prayer. And then it says on the, 21, on the 21st day, um, three full weeks without an answer to prayer, and then uh, on the 21st day, an angel came to him and said to him, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the word that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. 
Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have become because of your words. So what does that tell us? It says that from the very beginning of that 21 hour, 21 day period, the angel was dispatched. Why? Because Daniel had been praying. And so God was working through the prayers of Daniel. He dispatched this angel to actually come and answer the prayers of Daniel. But then it goes on. It says, but the prince of the kingdoms of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. For I have been left alone with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what the will of your people is in the latter days. For the visions refer to many days yet to come. So you see the picture? Daniel is praying for 21 days. Nothing's happened. He's thinking to himself, what's going on? Well, from the very beginning that he began to pray, things started to work. But there was a spiritual forces that were at place. And although the angel had been sent to relieve or to tell Daniel of this, this event... The, the angels or the demons that were in charge of the, of the kingdom of Persia began to attack. This is all taking place in the spiritual world. Began to attack him and prevent him from actually coming to give the message to Daniel. And so they had to call reinforcements. Michael, the archangel, had to come and, and fight that battle so that this angel that was then could be dispatched to actually tell Daniel the truth. And so what does that teach us? It teaches that there is a spiritual battle going on and that when we pray... It activates the fear spiritual forces in the unseen realm. How about that? <laughs> We're actually in a battle. And prayer is the, the, the initiating activity that begins the work in the unseen realm. Prayer then is an intimate communication with God as part of worshiping Him and working out His will for your life. What a great privilege it is to be a part of prayer. So that is what prayer is described as in the scriptures. But now let's turn our attention to what are the various kinds of prayer. And in order to do that, I would have to spend months looking at all the different kinds of prayer. There's just a, just a summary of all the different kinds that are described in the scriptures. There's the, the closet prayers, corporate prayers, prayers of faith, prayers of petition, prayers of dedication, prayers of confession, prayers of intercession, impeccatory prayers. You know what those are? Those are prayers of David where he says, kill my enemies. Those are impeccatory prayers. Uh, prayers for Thanksgiving, daily prayers, morning and evening prayers, offertory prayers, prayers of blessing. See, the list goes on and on and on. So what am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to look at all of these various kinds of prayers? What I'm going to do for the sake of time and for the sake of practicality is I'm going to look at those kinds of prayers that we typically find in a worship service. And uh, we're going to outline some of those, I think, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that it will be beneficial for us so that we can know what kinds of things we should be doing in our worship services in terms of prayer. And for those who are participating in these kinds of prayers to maybe aid you in, uh, in your help in, uh, in praying for these things. So firstly, let's then look at the prayer of invocation. The prayer of invocation. We see this in our bulletin. We have a place here where it says invocation. And the idea behind this prayer is that we are calling upon God's presence to meet with us in our worship. We are asking him, we are inviting him, so to speak, to be with us and to be in our midst when we worship him. I read from Psalm 67 this morning as our scripture reading. And that psalm is a psalm not only of benediction in the latter part, but is also in the first part a prayer of invocation. It is inviting God to meet with us and for allowing us to worship him. So what should be included in such prayers? Well, we should we should ask God to to meet with those who are lost and to open them, uh, open their minds and awaken their spirit uh, so that they might be able to come to faith. We should pray that those who are here who are Christians might be able to be built up in faith and be encouraged by the worship service and that the Holy Spirit would transform us and that we would all be able to have ears to hear and hearts uh, to believe. And that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the washing of his word. Here's an example of a, of a type of invocation. And again, I don't want you to say these word for word, right? That would be like 
having a generic chocolate bar. We don't want generic chocolate bar. We want variety. But within that, we want certain elements. And so uh, listen as this example. Lord God in heaven, who calls us to worship you and helps us to do that this morning, we pray that if anyone here this morning is not born again, that you would give them life today. We pray that those who are alive might be built up in faith and encouraged. We pray that each here this morning might not just be doers or might not just be hearers of the word and might not just go through the motions of worship, but truly worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. You see, the invoking God to be in us and to move within us and to work in the midst of our worship service. Then there's also the prayer of praise, the prayer of praise. Very often this is done in the form of a hymn. And did you know that you can actually sing your psalms, sing your prayers? And uh, that's often what hymns are, is they are a song of prayer. It's ascribing to God his due, uh, adoring him for who he is. It is praising him for what he has done or who he is. Now, we, we sing the doxology very often in our service, don't we? Well, do you know what the doxology is? It's a song of praise. It's a, it's a prayer to God, praising him for who he is. In fact, that's what the word means, doxa means glory, and logia means word. So it's like saying words of glory to God, uh, praise to him. Now, all five parts of the Psalms is, uh, you know, the Psalms is broken up into five different books, basically. And in each of the books, it ends with a song of praise to God. And so in Psalm 41, verse 13, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 89, verse 52 says, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Psalm 106, verse 48 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. And then Psalm 50, which, of course, is the very last of all the Psalms. It in its entirety is actually a doxology. It is a praise to God. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him in his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpets. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud symbols. Praise him with clashing symbols. Now, I, I like most music. Um, and a clashing symbol used correctly is good. Um, but uh, today's generation, the symbol is used, but all you hear is this in the background. That drives me crazy. I can't, I can't stand that. So it's good to worship the Lord with symbols. But not the, no, I'm just kidding, you can worship that way too. But um, he's saying, calling, clashing with symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, uh, Paul, when he is um, writing the book of Romans and he comes across the depths of God's grace in chapter 11, he pauses because it, it moves him. To actually praise God. And so he, he writes these words. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now here is a, a, uh, a, an example of one that was actually written in the second century. So this is uh, not New Testament, but it's shortly after the New Testament. And it became known as the greater doxology. It says this glory be to God on high and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. We praise thee. We praise thee. We worship thee. We glorify thee. We give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God, the father of almighty. O Lord, the only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Lord God, lamb of God, son of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Thou who takes away the sins of the world, receive our prayers. Thou who sits on the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only are holy. Thou only are the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, are the Most High in the glory of God the Father. Amen. You see how high that lifts God up? 
how much glory it gives to him to proclaim how great and awesome he is. Now, in our hymnal, we have all kinds of choices that we could choose in which to sing praises. Uh, Numbers 27 through 40 are all songs of praise before God. Numbers 200 through 236 are all songs of praise before God. And we can certainly sing our praises before the Lord as a song of prayer before him. Then there's also the prayers of confession of sin. Prayers of confession of sin. Sometimes in churches they have this as a separate segment. And very often, like what we do here, is we incorporate that into other prayers. I do this uh, every time I have the pastoral prayer. I pray a, a prayer of confession before us or before God as his people. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5 says this. So I said, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so when we're worshiping God, there seems to be this progression that takes place. First, we call upon God to meet with us. But then when we call upon him to meet with us, we see him for who he is. And we immediately give him praise and glory for who he is and what he has done. And then once we see him in all of his glory and we see him for who he is, what do we do? We fall down before him and we say, oh, who am I? To be in your presence. And then once we call down upon him in glory. Then we give him thanks because we can actually sing out to him. And so you can see this progress that is taking place in our worship. All designed around our communication with him in prayer. And so Job chapter 42 verses 5 and 6 says. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Uh, I like the way he is confessing his sin there. Psalm 130 verses 3 and 4 says, If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And then Psalm 51, of course, is, a, is probably the best place to look in the Old Testament for a song or a prayer of confession. And, of course, it takes place when uh, David had sinned against Bathsheba and he thought he had got away with it until Nathan, the prophet, comes. And basically says, uh, Katya. And David then realizes his sin. And he can, writes it out in the confession in Psalm 51. Listen to what it says. <clears throat> it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will treat transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of my bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure in Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. David's confession becomes to truth with his own sin, and he pours it out before the Lord. And then there is a prayer of thanksgiving. Prayer of thanksgiving. This is a, a prayer where we... Uh, we tell God uh, for all we we thank him for all that he has done in our life and for who he is. It's different than adoration. Adoration is actually praising God for who he is, uh, giving him glory, telling him how great he is, and how awesome he is. Whereas Thanksgiving may look at the exact same things and tell him thank you for those things. And so we can praise God for our salvation and we can thank him 
for our salvation, and both of which need to be incorporated in the activities of worship. A reasonable place to emphasize Thanksgiving in prayer, and we do that here in this church, is during the offering. And we pray and thank God for the blessings that he has given to us both physically and spiritually. And at that time is a good time after we have looked at who he is. We've praised him for who he is. We've fallen down before him, given him praise. We've looked at our own sin. We've confessed that sin. And now it's time for us to give him thanks because he's, he's given us blessings despite who we are. He's given us life. He's given us material things. And we can, we can thank him for all those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, For who makes you differ from another? Or what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, In our hymn book, we have hymns 636 through 646 that are all designed to be prayers of thanksgiving that can be sung out to him. And then we have prayers of intercession or prayers of... Of supplication. The difference between intercession and supplication. Supplication typically refers to uh, petitioning God for something that we need. Whereas intercession is petitioning God for something that someone else needs. And we need to include both in our prayers. And indeed we do. Uh, One of the best places of course to do this. And I do this regularly is when we pray uh, at the pastoral prayer. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for the shut-ins. We pray for... For those who are lost and who need salvation, we pray for those who are being persecuted. We pray for those who are in authority over us. Those are intercessions or prayers of supplication. First, uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore I exert, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Romans 8, verse 26, and Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 give us good news when it says that Jesus himself makes intercession for us. And so as we are praying as the body of Christ and we are interceding for others, you know what Jesus is doing for us? The same thing. He's interceding for us. He's praying uh, for us. And then we have the prayers of consecration. Prayer of consecration. This is the final part of the service. And uh, very often this is associated with the altar call. And uh, although... I have not been a big fan of the altar call. I am a very big fan of prayer of consecration. And so you'll notice at the end of the services when I say now is the time for you to deal with whatever the Lord is dealing with your heart. This is our time of a prayer where we we consecrate our life to God. Maybe you hear in the message, maybe even today you hear in the message, Lord, I need to be more diligent in prayer. Well, that's where you take the time and you say, Lord, God, help me. I give my life to you. Help me to be a, a person of prayer. That's a prayer of consecration. And it's done once we hear the word of God. We consecrate ourselves and respond to him. Of course, we can sing this as well. And we typically do when we have our our final hymn. Uh, One of the best hymns, of course, for this is Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Hymn number 294. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me. Have Thine Own Way. That's a prayer of consecration, isn't it? We're, We're saying, Lord, make me into what you want me to be. Do with me. As you will. Other prayers or, or hymns that can be sung are 274 to 326. A lot of them 466 to 502. Um, if there's an invitation given, of course, this is a, a way for the church to respond, people to respond individually and make a consecrated effort. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then finally, we have the prayer of benediction, the prayer of benediction. This is uh, uh, not only a prayer, but it's a blessing. In fact, benediction means uh, speaking good words. It's a, it's a way of parting one with another. And at the closing of our service, we have a benediction. <clears throat> and usually and that is done by the pastor, although it doesn't have to be done by the pastor. But it is a, it is a way for, for the congregation to leave with the blessings of God upon them. And it is a prayer for God to bless the people as they depart. 
Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Romans chapter 15, verse 5 and 13 says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Those are all benedictions that we find in the scriptures. So why are there so many different kinds of prayer? Invocations, benedictions, consecrations, prayers of confession, all these kinds of things. Because uh, just as uh, if you are a contractor, a hammer will not do all the job. That You need to have a hammer and you need to have a, a tape measure and you need to have um, a, a drill and you need to have a saw. Because you have different tasks that need to be done. Well, so it is in our worship service and so it is in our communication with God. We can't just have prayers of confession. Why? Because then we'll never ask him for anything. We can't just ask him for stuff. Why? Because then we'll never praise him. Then we'll never come before him consecrated hearts. And so there's various aspects that need to be done when we come before the Lord. And all of these have various uh, ways in which we are to do that. Now, I'm grateful for our time of prayers that we have here in our worship service. And I'm hopeful that as we look at this, that maybe you have been inspired to um, be a little bit more diligent in your prayer within the service and be a little bit more pointed in the way in which you pray and involve yourself in prayer. Now, real quickly, I know I'm past time, but I wanted to give some real practical application when it comes to the elements that should be involved in all prayer. And just as there are elements within the, the chocolate candy that you get in the Whitman sampler where all of them have you know, sugar and chocolate and butter and all the good stuff that makes up that, there's also different aspects of that that just makes them a little bit unique. But they all have certain elements. And so we're going to look at the various elements that need to be involved in a good balanced prayer. Now, there are numerous words that are used to describe prayer. For example, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Four different words used for types of prayer. Also, we see that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. So again, we have different words that are used. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore I exert, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Again, four different types of prayers or aspects of prayer. And uh, the Bible talks about prayers, supplications, intercessions, thanksgivings, petitions, entreaties, praises, and another word used for praise, and so two different kinds of praise. So <clears throat> what are the elements that make up a good, balanced, sound prayer and prayer life? Well, the way that I have best understood this, and I think it's a way for us to, to um, come to uh, some practical application of this, is to use the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. A stands for adoration. C stands for confession. T stands for thanksgiving. And the S stands for supplication. And so adoration, of course, we've already looked at that. It's praise, praise to God. Psalm 68, verse 35 says, praise be to the God. And in uh, Revelation chapter 4, 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. When we praise God, we're telling him how great and awesome he is. A couple of things to help in that is uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to use what's called the alphabet praise. And so I go through the alphabet and use each letter of the alphabet to think of something for which I can praise the Lord. And so I might look at the A and I might say, uh, uh, God, you are awesome because of your mighty works. B, I might say, uh, God, I praise you because of the beauty of your creation. C, I might praise him and say, God, I praise you because of the cross. 
And all that means to me in my salvation. You see, I just walk through. And it, it's a way for me to be conscious of making sure that I devote certain time to his praise. We could also look at the names of God. Jehovah Jireh. And praise him for his provision. We could look at Jehovah Rapha, which means God the healer. We could praise him for his healing hand. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And we could praise him for his peace. And so we could, you know, we could download from the Internet or we could look it up. I've got books. I could give you some stuff on all the names of God. And we could we could spend some time praising God for who he is and his character. Or we could we could praise Jesus for all the the I am statements. I am the way, the truth and the life. We could praise God for for being that for us. We could praise him. that He says, I am the bread of life. He is the one who sustains us spiritually and physically. We could praise him because he is the resurrection and the life. And so we could praise him for that. She never run out of reasons to praise him. The Bible says in Psalm 66, verse 3, how awesome are your deeds. And if we look at the model prayer of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And at the very end, he closes with, he says, um, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a word of praise. And then we have a confession. That's the C. Confession, of course, is just confessing our sins before the Lord, asking him to have mercy upon us. We already read Psalm 51 as a as a example of David's confession. I have a, an example of a Puritan confession. Of course, the Puritans uh, had a high view of their own sin. Before God and his holiness. And so listen to all the ways in which this Puritan pours out his heart before the Lord in confession. He says, pardon all my sins of this day, week, year, all the sins of my life, the sins of early, middle and advanced years of omission and commission of morose, peevish and angry tempers of lip, life and walk of hard heartedness, unbelief, presumption, pride and unfaithfulness to the souls of men of want of bold decisions in the cause of Christ, of deficiency and outspoken zeal for His glory, of bringing dishonor upon Thy great name, of deception, injustice, untruthfulness in all my dealings with others, of impurity in thought, word, and deed, of covetousness, which is idolatry, of substance unduly hoarded, improvidently squandered, not consecrated to the glory of Thee, the great giver. Sins in private and in the family, in study and in, create, in recreation, in the busy haunts of men, in the study of thy word and in neglect of it, in prayer inadvertently offered and coldly withheld, in time misspent, in yielding to Satan's wiles, in opening my heart to temptations, in being unwatchful when I know him nigh, in quenching the Holy Spirit, sins against light and knowledge, against conscience and restraints of my, uh, thy spirit, against the law of eternal love. Pardon all my sins, known and unknown, felt and unfelt, confessed and not confessed, remembered and forgotten. Good Lord, hear, hear and forgive. You see, that's a man who knows a sin and he's confessing it before the Lord. That, that certainly is a little bit better than, Lord, hear my sins, I confess them. Amen. He's really pouring them out and being specific. And so we should confess our sins, personal sins, family sins, church sins, national sins. One of the things I found helpful for this is go through the Ten Commandments. Look at each one. Confess all your sins as they relate to those Ten Commandments. And then also Thanksgiving. That's the T, Thanksgiving. Of course, we have a time of year where we celebrate Thanksgiving. That's a good thing. But daily we need to be lifting up our hearts in prayer to God in Thanksgiving. We've looked at many of verses with reference to this, and we could use the same thing as we do with praise. We could look at the alphabet and we could go through and name all the things in which we can be thankful to the Lord for. One of the things I like to do is I like to take doctrinal statements like the Baptist faith and message. And I take a doctrinal uh, statement and I look at each of the doctrines and thank God for them. So, for example, the Baptist faith and message starts with the scriptures. And so I would thank God for the scriptures and revealing himself to us in the scriptures. And it goes to God. So I would thank him for who he is and his holiness and his righteousness. And then it goes to man. I would thank God for his creation of man, his interaction with us. And he didn't leave us without a salvation. And then that goes into salvation and grace, baptism, Lord's Supper, Lord's Day, the kingdom. All these things we can praise God through the doctrines of the scriptures. And then supplication. This is where most of us spend most of our time in prayer. Asking God for things. And it's not wrong to ask Him. The Bible tells us to make our requests known to God. And says we're also to pray with supplication 
and with thanksgiving. We tell God what he wants, no matter how small or no matter how big. Did you know that um, even our biggest prayers seem like small things to God? And so when we think something small or big, it matters no difference to him. It's all small to him. And so we can lift up our hearts before him. Consider both our physical and our spiritual needs. Use the prayer guide that I have in the bulletin insert each day or each week where we have people to pray for. And we have families to pray for. And we have leaders to pray for. And unreached peoples to pray for. And persecuted Christians to pray for. And we can uh, lift up our hearts before God in that. One of the good things to do when it comes to supplications is actually have a prayer journal. And to record our prayers. And then we can write a date next to it when our prayers were heard and answered and God fulfilled. And what a way to encourage us and to build our strength and faith. Not all prayers will be equally balanced between all of these, but a good prayer should have these all incorporated within it. And just like with the chocolate bar, sometimes you taste more of the nuts, sometimes you taste more of the chocolate, sometimes you, you have a little bit more of a creamy, buttery taste. That's true with all prayers. They, they have a various degrees of all of these. And yet with all of them, there's those basic elements. And so it is true with prayer. I have given you a helpful formula, I hope, that will aid in your prayer. But we must caution ourselves against just becoming formalistic in our prayers and just using some formula. And I, you know, I use this formula on a regular basis, and yet we have to caution ourselves that we do not use it so much as a, crush, a crutch that we actually lose the, uh, the heart of our prayer. I do hope, though, that as we look at, look at prayer this week and as we involve ourselves in prayer, that we might be able to add adoration if we're not doing that, or confession if we're not doing that, or thanksgiving if we're not doing that, or supplication if we're not doing that, so that we might have a more balanced perspective of prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way in which it has spoken to us today, reminded us of things that we have already heard or telling us again new things that we have not heard. And Father, I pray that we might be a people of prayer. Help us to have balanced prayers such that we give you the praise that is due to you alone, for you are worthy. You are the one who is worthy of all of our prayers and adoration and thanksgiving. And Father, we thank you that you have opened your word to us, that you have given us a reason to pray. You have given us a model in prayer, and certainly you are worthy of that. Lord, we do confess that we have not loved you with all of our heart. We have not demonstrated our love for you. Even in our prayer life, we have fallen short, and so help us in that. And I pray, Father, that you would enable us to pray more specifically, more intentionally, and more perfectly according to your will. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We start crying for our nation and bow our heads and pray. If today you lost your life, what would you leave behind? What would the ones around you see? What happened in the dash between your birth and death? What will you do to change your legacy? One day we'll wither away And to this world we'll have to say goodbye But just like the plant that withers away We will leave many seeds behind If today you lost your life What would you leave behind? What would the ones around you see? What happened in the dash between your birth and death? What will you do to change your legacy? If today you lost your life, what would you leave behind? What would the ones around you see? What happened in the dash between your birth and death? What will you do to change your legacy? What will you do to change your legacy?